Welcome to Belly Dance Alchemy, a captivating blend of the best elements of career and professional development and the magic of belly dance. I'm your host, Kelly Nottingham. Ready to make your day job sparkle and your dance life grow in new and inspiring ways? Let's see what we can brew up. Hello, listeners. In our last episode, it was a tiny little mini episode. I asked you four questions about networking to get you prepped for this full-sized episode that's called Networking the Non-Icky Way. Those questions were, number one, how do you most easily make connections with other people? Number two, what do you think about the idea of networking? Number three, what needs or gaps are there in your current network or in other words? Who do you want to know that you currently don't? And number four, what do you have to offer the people in your network? This could be connections with other people, a special type of skill set, either a hard or technical skill or a soft skill. Now, in today's episode, we're going to address some of the myths of networking and help you design your most effective methods of networking effectively. But first, let's answer a big, important question. Why bother? What's the point of networking? Now, in a less cynical way, we could say, what are the benefits of networking? I'm going to answer that question with at least one other question. Here we go. How many times have you found out about something through the grapevine instead of official channels? How many of you have gotten a heads up about a job or promotion before it was posted on a job board? How many projects have you heard about before the big announcement email came out? How many times were you able to help someone else out because they knew you could and reached out to ask you? Well, these are reasons why we network. It's a way to plug into collective knowledge and experience to find out stuff that otherwise we wouldn't just find out on our own. It's building a community around us where we can both offer support and find support. And if you're trying to do life on your own, I've got some news for you. You're dependent on others whether you want to admit it or not. I mean, right now you're listening to someone else through technology that another person built. You may have drunk coffee this morning that you likely didn't grow and harvest and roast yourself out of a cup that you probably did not make yourself. We're all part of this larger community called humanity. And humans are social creatures. We need each other. So for those of you whose ideas about the concept of networking sounds like, ugh, it's salesy, it's pushy, it's uncomfortable, I hate it. I'm going to ask you to please keep an open mind today as we bust four common networking myths. Hopefully by the time you finish this episode, you'll feel at least a little better about building your own community around you. Myth number one, you have to be an extrovert to be good at networking. So here's a disclaimer. I'm an extrovert, big time. I love meeting people and I am, in fact, that annoying person who will talk to complete strangers in an elevator or a checkout line at the store. Most people think that I'm a super effective networker because of this. But here's the thing. Being an extrovert does not automatically equal being a great networker. Shocker, but it's true. 
Yes, I'm very willing to talk to strangers. After all, it's part and parcel of my work. But casually meeting people doesn't mean that there's a meaningful, mutually beneficial relationship there. So this is myth number one that I want to dispel. You don't have to be an extrovert to have a really great network. You may have heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Now, my brother-in-law, Scott, married to my brilliant sister, Rachel, once told me that it should go further than that. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. After all, you probably know the name of your company's CEO, yeah? However, I would like to take this even a step further. It's not just enough for people to know who you are. In order to have a strong network, people need to know what you can do. It doesn't help to have the CEO kind of recognize your face if they don't know what you're capable of. Now, it can help, but it's not enough. That kind of connection is only really the opening of a door that will help you to have a truly mutual beneficial relationship if you nurture it. Now, I call this idea being visibly competent. Some of you have heard this before. It's not enough to be competent at something. If people don't know that you can do the thing, then you're not likely to get any chances to do the thing. Decision makers and those who the decision makers listen to need to know that you know how to do the thing. Now, I can hear some of you now saying to yourself, well, yes, Kelly, this is what we meant when we said out loud in your car or wherever you are that extroverts are naturally great at networking and introverts or ambiverts just aren't. But no, dear listeners, because I'd like to introduce you to the concept of networking pools. There are two big ones to talk about first. The first one is shallow and wide. The second is deep and narrow. Shallow and wide networking pools have lots of people in them, but they're walking around in water that's only about ankle deep. Deep and narrow networking pools have fewer people in them, but those people are really able to swim and dive deep and explore the depths of water that's available to them. Now imagine that the water in this metaphor is information about you. Your shallow and wide pool is made up of people you kind of know. You may have worked with them a little bit. You maybe don't spend a ton of time keeping in touch with each of them, but the connection is there. They don't know a ton of information about you, but enough to get their feet wet if they think you might be able to help out on a project. Now, your deep and narrow pool is made up of people who know you really well. You've worked with them extensively. They know your strengths and you know theirs. You're top of mind when some new opportunity comes up. You keep in contact pretty frequently. There won't be nearly as many of these people as in your shallow and wide pool. So guess which pool is usually the one that extroverts tend to build really well? Yup, the shallow and wide pool. Introverts, from my observations, tend to avoid the shallow and wide pool, but end up building a really strong, deep and narrow pool. So which is better? Which is more effective? Well, the answer is both. Each of them is useful in its own way, and they need to be maintained in different ways. 
Now, before you get overwhelmed with this idea, please don't worry. We're going to address the proper care and feeding of your networks later on in this episode. For now, just know that your current ideas of how to build and maintain your network may be more complicated than actually needed. Now, this also brings up another key point. If a way of networking feels super awkward or forced or uncomfortable to you, then don't network that way. It's going to end up feeling weird and awkward to the other person too, and you just won't want to keep up with your contacts if you're trying to approach it that way. The ways that you build your network will be unique to you and your own preferences. Now listen to your Auntie Kelly on this one. You have permission to build your network your way. Myth number two, networking is selfish or self-centered. Networking is, in my approach, the complete opposite of selfish or self-centered. It's focused on the other person, not on you. It's helping through connecting. You can't help someone if you don't know what they need, right? So instead of thinking about how networking is beneficial for you and letting that be your only way of looking at it, think about how it can benefit the other person to know you. Be curious about that other person. Come from that place of curiosity about what issues they may have or will have potentially in the future or how you could connect them with other people who could help them as well. Now, this isn't to say that you just meet whoever, whenever, with no real plan for it to also be beneficial to you. These connections need to be mutually beneficial. So you can start with some big picture questions here. Why do you want or need to network? What's your purpose in networking? Maybe you're looking at moving into a new industry. Maybe you want to stay with your current company, but you want a new job in a different department. Maybe you're just looking for some new and interesting special projects, or you want a promotion, or you want to learn new skills, or who knows, maybe you're just looking for some social interaction. This focus will determine where you need to put your efforts and energy. Now in dance, it works the same. What do you want out of your network or networks? It's going to look very different for a dancer trying to find support from dancers like them or other dancers who have similar interests, or a dancer who wants to teach versus someone who wants to be maybe an international level performer. You can have more than one goal or area of focus for networking. In fact, that's normal and honestly a really smart move. If you're working to build your career at your current company, that's great. But it's also important to build contacts outside of your current organization perhaps through a trade association or professional group or networking group of some kind. That way you're not putting all of your networking eggs in one basket, so to speak. Now, this is not self-serving or Machiavellian to focus your energy on an area or areas of interest to you. It's a way to ensure that the relationships you build will be mutually beneficial to the people in your networks. Myth number three, networking has to be salesy or pushy to work. Oh, yes, this is a big one. And my response ties in with our previous myth in a lot of ways. First, 
the most straightforward way to steer clear of the need to network in a pushy way is this. Give more than you receive. This approach to networking, combined with the curiosity that we just discussed, zeroes in on helping you to bridge the gap between what you have and what the other person may need. This is the closest that we come to a sales focus in my approach to networking. You're providing resources that the other person may need that they can take you up on, but they need to know that you can help. Now, if you find that you're an overgiver, this little piece of advice is for you. Give more than you receive, but also don't be afraid to ask for guidance, suggestions, and help from your network. People like to help other people. You like helping other people when you can, right? So give others that wonderful feeling of helping others. So that's the first piece. The second piece about networking, feeling salesy or pushy. It is so important to be authentic, truly authentic to who you are when you're networking. You can tell when people are being salesy or pushy, right? And please understand, I mean salesy as that negative stereotype of I'm only out to get something useful from you and then I'm gone kind of approach. If you're turned off by that approach, so are the people who are going to be the best types of contacts to maintain in your network. You want to avoid having to put on a facade, a mask, because the goal here is not to hide who you are. It's to connect you, the true you, to others who will appreciate the strengths and skills that you bring. If you're a naturally outgoing and gregarious person, great. If you're a quieter, more introspective person, great. The fact is you already have a network, whether you've consciously built it or not, based on who you are. So how did you build those connections with those people? Maybe it took a bit longer to build a strong connection. Maybe you were able to connect with a common interest or through humor or through a love of data or dogs or herbal tea. Think back to how you connected with your current contacts and use that as a blueprint for how you can connect more easily and naturally with new contacts. And if you have a hard time starting off a conversation with someone, either virtually or through emails or in person, then have a few curiosity questions in your back pocket that you can pull out when you need. So here's an example or two. How long have you worked here? What other kinds of projects do you normally work on? Think open-ended questions, and you only need a few to get the conversation started. What could potentially interest you about this other person that you can ask about? Myth number four, networking is an event. Networking is not a one-and-done kind of thing. When people try to make it an event, a one-time thing, I think that's one factor that makes the whole process feel icky and awkward and pushy. Networking events don't personally work for me for this reason. I find that my network builds much more organically over time through repeated interactions with a person. We're not just trying to build a big contact list here. We're building relationships. It's not the first connection that does the trick. It's building rapport and trust with another person over time. It's far more than just smiling and shaking hands a few times and calling it done, more than knowing a name and title. It's having good, positive interactions with people and building your good professional brand. In fact, you're already networking 
maybe unintentionally, with the people you interact with on a regular basis. If people talk about you in a certain way when you're not in the room, that's also influencing your network and how your network can grow by proxy. People who've heard of you is an additional part of your network. Maybe that shallow part of your pool, right? So what does this mean for us, that networking isn't a single event? It means that we have to make ongoing efforts to both build new contacts and maintain the relationships we have. That means reaching out regularly to check in. That means following up quickly with people when you've offered to help or said you'd share information with them. That means sharing an article that you found that you thought the other person would appreciate. And yes, that means responding to their LinkedIn or other social media posts. Not every one of them. No stalking, please. But it does require a bit of attention. Now, again, it will feel like less of a chore if you approach this with that spirit of curiosity. And I hear what you're saying. Who has time for this? So here are a couple of tricks that I use. I put networking on my calendar. I put a little reminder to check LinkedIn at least once a week. And the notification email that comes each day to my inbox tells me what updates might be relevant for me to pay attention to. Things like work anniversaries or birthdays or someone got mentioned in the news. If someone pops into my mind just out of the blue or I see something that makes me think of someone, I take one minute and reach out to them via email or through LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or whatever and tell them hello or share the article with them. And I've made this into a fun little habit. Um, I mean, doesn't it make your day to be contacted by someone kind of out of the blue just to say, hey, I, I saw this and it made me think of you? So make someone else's day by sharing a quick hello, a congratulations on your new job, or a, hey, I read this and thought of you. How are you doing? By building these types of small networking increments into your day or your week, you'll find that not only does your network become stronger, but you might actually realize you enjoy it. All right, so now that we've done our four big myth bustings, here are some additional tips for building a successful network. You may have heard of a 360 review. Now, this is a performance management tool that solicits feedback from people around you at different levels of the team or organization. So your 360 degree circle around you, so to speak. This means your leaders, your peers, and people who maybe report to you. Now, this offers a much broader perspective on your performance than just asking your leader or your team alone. You can take the same idea into building your network. You don't want to just network at your level of the hierarchy in an organization, meaning your peers. It's easy to fall into that habit because they're usually the people you work with the most. So think up and down the organizational chart. Have you connected with people who are leaders at higher levels and people at the front line of the organization too? It's amazing what different things you can learn about in a situation from getting those different perspectives. And if the idea of reaching out to leaders at your organization is scary to you, again, think opening that first door of introduction and be curious about the challenges or the successes that they're currently having. Now, this next one might be a somewhat controversial take, but don't actively network with people you don't like working with. 
or people who you have a serious values mismatch with. Now, by this, I mean, if someone is a bully at work, or you know that they aren't ethical in their work, or they're just a flat out toxic human being, don't go out of your way to maintain a relationship with them. Trust me, it's not worth it in the long run. This comes up a lot with those quote unquote powerful people at work. You may feel obligated to try to build a relationship with them because they're a power player, but these relationships often turn out to be very one-sided. And once they're in your orbit, others will see that and may make assumptions about you. Now, sometimes connecting with these people can't be totally avoided. Just don't go out of your way to really spend a lot of energy nurturing a toxic relationship. Power in an organization can shift. And people who are toxic, who align with other toxic people, will often get booted out of an organization. Elaine Beach, an author and one of my mentors, talks about avoiding leeches in your network in her excellent new book, Skills for Career Success. So this is another form of toxicity to avoid. The people who constantly take and never give, never offer to help, and never say thanks. She points out that this is not the same person who isn't in a position to help yet, but are those people who make no effort to even try to offer anything back. They will leach your energy, they will leach your time, and you need to let them go. Now, lastly, if you have a hard time remembering names, there are some memory tricks you can try, like mentally assigning an adjective that describes them that starts with the first letter of their name, like tall Tamika. Now, frankly, most of these tricks never seem to work for me because then I can't remember if she's tall Tamika or statuesque Sarah. And trying to remember an adjective on top of the name honestly just short circuits my entire brain. I personally remember best myself when I see someone's name written close to their face. So unless someone's wearing a name tag, I'm not going to do well with remembering names. Now, if you find that you don't remember someone's name after maybe meeting them once or twice, just tell them that you're not good at names. To be honest, I've had to do this all the time. And to my knowledge, people aren't offended. Instead, they're usually at least happy that I want to try to remember their name. Now, if you get a business card, you can write a quick description of the person on the back or where you met them, whatever helps you. Or you can look them up online to get a photo to match with a name. The point is, lots of people struggle to remember names. It's nothing new and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Okay, let's take this one for a final spin. So we've talked a lot more in depth about networking and some ways to think about it in this episode. I'm going to finish up the way we started with those four questions to ponder. Hopefully, you've gained some new insights through our myth busting that you can apply to your networking efforts. So question number one, how do you most easily make connections with other people? This week, look around you at the people you've already connected with. What best practices can you learn about the way that you most easily and comfortably network? And how can you replicate that? Number two. What do you think about the idea of networking? Now, if this whole concept of networking is still turning your stomach a little bit, how else can you start thinking about this process? 
you already have a network, you know, you've already been doing it. So how can you continue to build relationships, grow connections, nurture your tribe, however you need to think about it? Number three, what needs or gaps are there in your current network? In other words, who do you want to know that you currently don't? So do you need to start a new or different networking pool? Have you put all of your connection eggs in one basket? What other group or groups of people would be beneficial for them and for you to plug into? And number four, what do you have to offer the people in your network? Over this week, examine the ways that you can help others. How can you offer your skills, advice, expertise, or just a listening ear to someone else? All right, that's it for this episode. We are back to our regular schedule next week. Thank you all so much. Go out now and find your people. If the pandemic lockdown has made you aware of some major changes you want to make in your career or dance life, I can help. Maybe you realize you hate your current job or that you're holding yourself back from making a big life change that deep down you really want. Now is the time to start building momentum for the future. I've spent my career in professional development and training at Fortune 100 companies, leading training initiatives and coaching people from frontline employees to executive level leaders to improve their relationship to their work, their colleagues, and themselves. If you think some non-judgmental support and gentle nudging would help you to get going, give me a call to discuss one-on-one coaching and consulting. If your organization or company is ready for an injection of new ideas, energy, and practical tools to improve company culture and efficiency, let's chat. I have off-the-shelf workshops ready to bring to your organization on topics like effective communication, change management, presentation skills, and a suite of leadership development workshops, just to name a few. Custom workshops are also an option. For a 30-minute complimentary consultation, email me at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com, go to bellydancealchemy.org, or reach out to me on LinkedIn or via the links in the podcast notes so we can see if I'm a good fit for your needs. Well, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share the magic with your dance friends. If you want more, you can sign up for our mailing list at bellydancealchemy.org or you can email me your suggestions and feedback. I would love to hear from you at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com. Bye.